Welcome to Bucks Insider, presented by Verizon. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith, and we have some fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> this is the best. We are both very excited to be here talking about this this morning. It just keeps getting better. It does. And I mean, man, I had so much fun being at that game. Mm -hmm. And it, this is my ninth season now. I know you have many more on me than that. Just a few. Just a few. But it, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had at a Bucks game in, in a while, I feel like. It was great. The crowd was hyped, it was dramatic. And, you know, even with some of the things that didn't go well for the Bucks, like drop passes, it still was kind of exciting the whole way and the, the back and forth and then the Bucks pulling away. It, it was kind of an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that there's so much in it. These Bucks fans are so invested in this and especially with this whole underdog mentality, yeah. people counting us out <laughs> at the beginning of the year. It's just and I love guys are now starting to talk about the idea of a revenge tour, being able to take <laughs> on these teams they lost yes. to earlier on in the season, right the ship, as we say, compared to that. So mm -hmm. it's just been so fun. And especially, I feel like, offensively, after a couple games to end the regular season that hadn't been as big of a production right. offensively as you know the Packers and Jaguars games had mm -hmm. been, to see them get off to a bit of a faster start, even though still that first drive touchdown is a bit, a bit elusive, <laughs> but to get off to a much faster start offensively and some chunk plays was really exciting. Yeah, and they scored on the first four offensive drives. Unfortunately, three of those were field goals, and mo more of those have to turn into touchdowns because for that reason, even though you felt like you were dominating the game, it was still close into the third quarter. And so, obviously, the Bucks want to get that ball in the end zone more. But I think scoring first, getting in a groove early, allowed for uh, you know Dave Canales to open up the playbook a little bit more and and, and, you know, the defense could do some different things because uh, Philadelphia got away from the run. So uh, it was a really nice offensive start. And, of course, Baker Mayfield was incredible. Yeah, and it was so great to see him. It just looked like he felt so much better, for one thing. The poor guy had been pretty beat up these last That's couple true. weeks. Yeah. And to me, I was not quite as terrified watching him scramble as I had been the couple weeks before. He just looked so much more like himself as you see in this clip he was feeling it yes uh he was baking and i uh yeah I, I just felt like he he was in a groove the offense was in a groove everybody seemed to be on the same page yeah and baker really i, I thought he was sharp he i thought he did the, the things that dave canales has been saying all season that he wants him to do which was take the take the easy stuff take the stuff that's schemed up and works like something like that this little that's you know take that mm -hmm. but when there's times when it's the right time, you take the deep shot, and he did that as well. It's just we couldn't really hold on to it. So we got a lot of our um, our big plays off of Yak, which we'll talk about in a bit. But Baker, really, his first playoff game for the Buccaneers, kind of like his first playoff game for the Browns, was a really, really good one. Uh, in, in fact, it was one of the best games a Buccaneer quarterback has had in the playoffs. Um, I think uh, it was – I think we have a graphic for it, but I think he was uh, maybe – oh, there it is uh, – well, first of all, he's the first Bucks quarterback, and this is kind of surprising, to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in the same playoff game. You would have thought at some point Tom did that, mm -hmm. but it was never. He did have 300 games. He did have three touchdown games, but not at the same, same time. So you see third best in passing yards, uh, tied for the most passing touchdowns, and second in pass rating only to uh, um, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Incredible. So if you're just second behind Tom Brady, you've done a good job. You've done pretty dang well, that's for sure. And, you know, with a great offensive game like that, typically you would imagine the stats are Mike Evans, 100 yards, mm -hmm. Chris Godwin maybe 80-something or more, and that, that those are your main guys putting up numbers that let you have those kind of big games. That wasn't necessarily how it worked out this game. I know there were, like we talked about, a, a drop or two for Mike that I'm sure he would like to have back or just passes that were just so close mm -hmm. and almost there. But you had incredible production from guys like 
Palmer and Moore and Otten that isn't necessarily what you would imagine is the go-to for this right. offense. And I feel like that's so encouraging in the yes. playoffs to know how many options you have. Yeah, and before this game, I was making the point that because of what Philly's defense has given up and not given up, I felt like for us to win that game, either Mike or Chris or both of them would have to have a big game. And I think the Eagles thought the same thing because their defensive game plan obviously spent a lot of time trying to double those guys as much as possible. And when that happens, you're obviously going to open up parts of the field for the other guys that are on the field. And so you need your Trey Palmers and your Kate Ottens, who had a great game, uh, and even um, David Moore, who's basically your fifth receiver. You need those guys to produce because uh, you know, they're making a point of taking Mike and Chris out, and they certainly did. And uh, they all had, all those guys had big plays. One of the big things about that, though, was um, the yak. They're, they had 210 yards after the catch, like this, Kate Otten. And that's partially because Baker Mayfield was so on point and getting it to these guys in positions where they could run, catch it in stride and run like that one. Now, Trey Palmer kind of did all of his on his own. He broke a tackle and then was shot out of a can between all those defenders. But um, just real nice production from the offense as a whole and, and Baker going to the open man, even if it's not Mike and Chris. And of course, to do all that, Baker needed some time. Yeah. Baker needed to be protected. And we knew that that front can do some damage if you let them. And it felt like even though he was sacked a few times, sometimes it was more of a coverage thing or it wasn't directly just guys getting absolutely burned. And it felt like, especially on the edges, they were yeah. able to keep him pretty clean. Yeah, well, if you think about those four sacks, um, the most damaging one was the one on third and one when you were in field goal range and then you're out. And that came right up the middle. So there was some times where they got pressure up the middle, but they have two very good edge rushers in Hassan Reddick, who went to the, who's going to the Pro Bowl, and Josh Sweat. And Hassan Reddick was mostly on Luke Gedeke, did not have a single pressure in that entire game. Okay. And Josh Sweat was mostly on Tristan Wirfs, like 25 snaps, I think, pass rush snaps, and only had one pressure. So to keep those two guys to one pressure was a huge part of that game that you don't really see in the stat. And, and will be very important this next week oh, as yeah. well, I'm sure. So, all right, we talked a lot about the offense, but of course the defense. What an incredible game <clears throat> from them. And I felt like this was, as much as you talked about some of the, you know, the creativity from Dave Canales and, and some of the things he was pulling out, same thing with Coach Bowles calling the defense, that this was a unique game, yeah. even <laughs> by Bowles standards, which we are used to talking about the fact that he can bring some unique blitz packages, right. do a lot of different things. To see the, the ways he was using different defensive fronts, different guys in different roles in the secondary, that to be surprised in our position this late in the season is kind of fun. Yeah, it was, uh, you, you said this game was fun. And it started right at the beginning because we went out there on defense and you're looking at this front going, what is this? Yeah. I, it's always fun when your coaches break out something you have never seen before or at least haven't seen in a very long time. And we, had a, we started the game and ended up playing about 12 or 14 snaps in a six-man front. So usually if it's base, you have three down linemen like Cansey um, and Hall and, and Vita and two edge rushers. Or if you're in sub packages, there's only two down linemen. We had four four on the field because Will Goldston was on there too and that was because in this game more than any other we played a long time it was we have to stop the run first they ran for 201 yards on us in the first game and that was the Todd difference. Todd said not today. Not today. <laughs> We're going to make them throw the ball to beat us and uh, and it worked. And, and especially it, when you know Jalen Hurts finger is a little yeah, banged that's up true too. even more it's like yep. you know that they were going to try to be like all right fine like we're not having this happen again, <laughs> that you're going to do something else. You're going to beat us a different way if you're going to beat us, exactly. Yeah. And then even seeing guys like Zion 
McCallum, I mean, he's playing safety and nickel and corner yeah. and all over the place, which is which is really cool. Yeah, and so right when when we were started in that six man fr man front, there was only one safety, and that was Anton Winfield. So I mean, if you only have one safety on the field, it's good that he's the best one in football. But uh, when we did do a second safety, a lot of times it was Zion, and then sometimes he was in the slot, sometimes he was playing corner. And Coach Bowles said on Monday that having that guy and using him in different roles is confusing for the offense. They don't know what you're doing because they haven't seen all these different looks before. So, and the fact that getting him on the field, as Coach Bull said, means with Carlton and Jamel healthy, now you have your three best cover guys on the field at the same time. And speaking of safety, Bucks got their first safety. Yeah, you see that transition, good. how I, like I did that, that. there. Uh, so Anthony Nelson helped contribute to a safety. It may not show up quite as much on his stat I know, sheet. I hate that. Uh, because it was technically penalty This should count as a sack. But we're just going to give it to him internally. <laughs> we're going to decide that this was an Anthony Nelson safety. Yeah, because he just tossed us away at the end, it doesn't count as a sack. Instead, it's intentional grounding in the end zone, which is a safety. And that's the first safety in Bucks postseason history. Uh, and it happened, as you saw, that was kind of a late developing play. That ball was, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part about safeties is getting to do that sign over your head. Yeah. Um, it, look how long this play took to develop. And that's because the coverage was really good. Even mm -hmm. right there at the end, he just had nowhere to throw it to. So give the, give the coverage a lot of credit on that one. And then a guy like Anthony Nelson just playing through the whistle, you know. Mm -hmm. And another outside linebacker that had a great game, Shaq Barrett. I feel like he's a guy that... You know, we, he hasn't necessarily gotten the stats that he has in years past, but he is still really producing in a lot of ways and, and playing a really important role on that defense. Yeah, it's kind of like that play we just saw where Kalija Kansi didn't get credit for anything on that play, but he's the one that flushed him out of the pocket. Well, Shaq was doing that a lot, too. He had six quarterback pressures on 28 rushes in that game, and so that doesn't show up in the main stat page, uh, but it really made a difference in terms of getting Jalen Hurts off his spot and disrupting the passing game. And so that's a 31.6 pass rating. There was a lot of good pass rushers in the Super Wild Card weekend mm -hmm. over those six games. And as you can see, Shaq was uh, uh, third best in pressure percentage of, of among guys that had at least 10 pass rush snaps. And you see Aiden Hutchinson I was going to say, how perfect of a transition now. Yeah. You see Aiden Hutchinson's name on there. That's going to be a very important person to keep an eye on. And these Lions, they've got some really impressive young guys, particularly on that defense. Yeah, uh, Aiden Hutchinson was the second overall pick in 2022. And he had a really nice rookie season. And this year, even better, 11 sacks. And he's going to the Pro Bowl. And then this year, the Lions really had a great draft class. And we could talk about a lot of those guys. But on defense, Brian Branch, kind of a surprise that he lasted into the second round. He was a safety at Alabama. But they basically turned him into their nickel corner. And he's been a really, really good nickel corner for them. A couple interceptions and a bunch passes defensed. And then how about uh, other guys on their defense that stand out to you? Well, uh, they did get a couple guys back from mm -hmm. injury. Um, I, sorry, I got stuck there No, it's all right. No, you're good. <laughs> um, their defense has been okay. Not awesome. Not nearly as good in, in a lot of the categories statistically as their offense. But they did get C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who's a big-time instigator, as we've already seen this yes, week. loved Baker's and response to that. <laughs> that was really good. And then Alan McNeil, uh, the, their starting uh, defensive lineman, he's back. They both came back from injury reserve very recently, so they're, they're a bit uh, closer to full strength now. And then I know their offense, man, that's been their bread and butter this year. And they have so many different ways they can attack you and beat you. And again, even other young guys, as you talked about with them having a great draft class. I mean, Sam Laporta is just doing incredible yeah. things. And Jared Goff has, has been a bit of a Bucks killer in some other matchups. And I think it's just going to be really interesting to see, knowing how well the Bucks defense 
played in this last game mm -hmm. and seeing how they're able to do so many things at this point in the season with having that firm grasp of Bulls system, that this is a fun kind of strength on strength yeah, idea. Yeah, it really is going to be. They, if you look at that Detroit Lions offense, they're top five in just about every category, rushing and passing. They have the second most passing yards. They're top five in scoring and total yards. Sacks allowed because their offensive line is fantastic. Uh, interception percentage is low. The red zone, they're fantastic in the red zone. And they have, and we talked about this in our preview of this game, I find I didn't even realize until I started looking at the stats, and it's rather amazing. They have four guys with 10 or more touchdowns scored. I don't know if I've seen that before. It's amazing. Or I just don't remember seeing that before. So you got, um, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's probably the most dangerous guy. And then you mentioned Sam Laporta, who did things that rookie tight ends almost never do, including 10 touchdowns. And then both of the running backs, uh, Montgomery and Gibbs, are over 10 touchdowns. So it's not like, hey, okay, we're going to play this team. We're going to take away their one guy. And then what are they going to do? How do you defend all those guys? It's not easy. And Jared Goff, as you noted, is playing probably the best football of his career right now. And uh, if I wasn't, if we weren't going into Detroit to play them, I'd be kind of happy about that because it's kind of cool to see that team getting some success. And Jared Goff, who basically was a throw-in in the Stafford trade, and is now doing so well for Detroit. So um, it's it's a really difficult offense to face. The Bucks have uh, their hands full. Cut yeah. out for them for sure. And then you know what the good news is though, this is the eighth straight rematch of a regular season game for a playoff game. It's crazy, and we have seen that. When you give, especially Coach Bowles and his defense, a second shot at people, how well that seems to go. And so how it's just so interesting to me to think about the fact that this has been such a consistent thing and where there's been a lot of success for the Bucks in playing someone they already played this it's year. It's just a weird coincidence. And if, if we win this game, the next one will be against a team we already played this season. But... Um, I mean, the eight straight playoff games against the team you faced in the regular season, and, and uh, those are in chronological order now. A couple of them we, we had won. Like, we beat Green Bay pretty mm -hmm. handily and then beat them again in the NFC Championship game. But a lot of these, you see the Saints, the Chiefs is a big one. They're, you know, how Todd Bowles changed his defensive game plan between those two games was a big part of the story. And, uh, and then, of course, this past week, um, we got the win against a team that beat us pretty handily early in the year. So that's the same thing we're facing against Detroit. 20-6 to six isn't exactly a blowout, but the Bucks couldn't do much on offense, couldn't run the ball. And uh, I feel like, as the coaches and players have been saying all week and last week as well, this is a different team than it was in September and October. Yeah, that Rams game is the only one you see where there was a, a loss both times. Yeah. And it just goes to show how much in this league it is really hard to beat a team twice. True. That you just learn a lot about people. So I think it's a great sign that, hey, you know what? We may have lost that first game this, this regular season, but now we get a second right. shot at it. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider presented by Verizon. Thank you so much for being with us, and we hope you have a blast watching this next playoff game. And stay tuned for all the coverage here on Buccaneers.com. Thank <laughs> you.